It's time for Sports 56 Happy Hour on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now let's have some fun. Here is your host, Johnny Johnny Radio. Johnny Radio. Yo, 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 yo. Welcome into a little Sports 56 Happy Hour. I'm your buddy, Johnny Radio. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Weather's still beautiful again, and we're another day farther down the road from that just absolute disaster that we had on Sunday with the Tigers being terrible. Tigers are not in action tonight, but they're back at it against Charlotte tomorrow. Good thing. We're going to talk some college basketball today. We got D.C. David Cobb's going to join this bad boy about 1130, maybe a little before. Because uh, I got a lot of college basketball to talk to him about. Man, last night, Houston took care of Iowa State. But Iowa State got that cover if you took the line before the game. And the... One of the more difficult things we're going to talk about today is in sports gambling, because I want to bring a little bit of this up, and um, betting before games in football, playing in line in football is one thing. College basketball is such a different animal. Like, if you have certain markers before the game that you would decide that, hey, I would definitely bet this, and if you play in line... I would say three out of four, almost 75%, that marker can get there. Like, you know, when you say to yourself, like, Houston, man, laying nine and a half. And by the way, just when it got to the tip, it was up to, up to ten. Ten and a half in some places. Maybe a little higher even. I don't know. I didn't check all the books. I just was basically paying attention to one yesterday. But if you go in line and you play in line, if you have certain markers, you usually can find those. If, you want, if you're if you a totals player like I am, I like overs and unders. Um, if you get me a basketball team that goes on a four-minute four minute run, three-minute, four-minute run where they basically go 30 points, don't miss, back and forth, drain in threes, and you watch that total shoot up double digits, say the total was – you know, 144 to start. Next thing you know, you're seeing this thing at 144, and then you also see the other lines. And that sucker's continuously going up. You catch a team that comes out like, golly, who was it? Was it Houston? And the one game that I really feel like that, only, the only time that really just didn't work out me, Memphis was involved in that game. And I feel like it was uh, North Texas. I think they hit their first six three-pointers of the ball game. Um, both, I mean, the North Texas just came out as hot as Cooter Brown. The total shot up about 10, 11 points, still went over. Like, but that doesn't happen a lot. So this in line, like playing in line in basketball, I really think, I mean, I'm going to break down games on here. We're going to talk again with David Cobb from CBSSports.com at 1130. But in the last segment, like, you know, last night, I'll go home last night. I'm sitting down getting ready for my business. The Houston games at 8 o'clock. By the way, my goodness, the game on before that, Virginia, Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech put a whooping. I mean a absolute whooping all over Virginia. Virginia Tech couldn't miss anything. Virginia couldn't do jack. That was an embarrassing basketball game for for Virginia. Very embarrassing basketball game for Virginia. But the, but the Iowa State-Houston game, I think, is a perfect – just a perfect – example of like how it is that you can you know play these things in line it actually be somewhat I think all right because right before like during the game you know that first the first 10 minutes of that ball game were were painful I mean that was some bad basketball I felt like on both sides neither team could hit a shot to start the ball game uh, they both were struggling from the floor but by the way you know it credit both defenses there was a there was not a Wide open. You know what? It was definitely – I wasn't watching the Tigers last night. That's for damn sure. Thank you. Because every single shot was contested. I was about to say, I 
thought that first couple minutes were awesome. No, no, all, defense, defense, defense. And I'm I talking defense. about like I, I, you know what? Again, I was talking about more of the the scoring thing. Like I see, you know what I'm, you know, like you're you're looking at I'm it from, looking a at it from a gambling standpoint, standpoint. Yes. There was not a lot of movement, is what right. I'm saying for the ter- first ten minutes of that basketball right. game. And I'm talking about the number and right. the total. So like you're you don't I didn't get a you don't get a good gauge of actually which way this sucker might go. But if you watch that, you could tell that Iowa State and Houston were both dug in. And and I'm going to tell you something. Without Shed, like where would this Houston team be without him? It's a good question. He has uh, really done a great job this year. I mean, a- unbelievable job. I just I, I watched the other team. I mean, Iowa State's every time I watch them, I am more impressed with them. And each time I watch them, and again. We talk about college basketball as scoring is so popular, but man, they dig in on defense just like the Cougars do. Both teams, again, every shot's contested. But if you watch that entire first half, and then you watch after about the first 10 minutes, the, the final seven minutes of that basketball game, Iowa State played better basketball than Houston. I thought they executed their game plan a little bit better. Um, they kept themselves in it, and all of a sudden you get a, at a point where – Iowa State is just right there. They're within, I think, three points of them. And you know what happened to that line? What happened? I got that line at Houston minus six and a half. Wow. When you see something, and that's what I was talking about, that marker. When that bad boy went to 10, I was like, man, you know what? If I could just get it under seven. If I can get that bad boy under seven. Heck, I wanted it at five and a half because it did drop to five and a half at one point. And we know when you try to put it in and it moves real quick and you have to say, I accept the changes because it went from five and a half to six back. You accept it because I felt like it was shoot back up. But that's what I mean. You watch these games. If you watch college basketball, there will be a point. If you just before the game set some certain markers that you might look for that you're interested in. You also, of course, have to get a feel for the game. You know, you have to you do have to pay attention to what's actually going on. Like. I don't think there was any point that you would have like going, man, you know what? Maybe I should take Virginia last night if you were watching Virginia, Virginia Tech. In fact, that's a game that I never got a feel on that I, 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 I finally, seven minutes into the second half, was like, there's nothing with this game I'm comfortable in taking. I mean, it was just uh, the, games like that, just when they get completely out of hand, I don't know, they, they're the ones that or harder, I feel like, in some aspects, especially like overs and unders. You'll be like, oh, man, there's five minutes left in the ball game. You can give up 26 points. Neither team, they're just going to walk that junt down. No, no. The other team's calling timeouts in the final 50 seconds and and fouling still and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. It'll make a man, it, it'll make a man go absolutely mad. But, again, we are talking a lot of college basketball today. We're going to talk about the Memphis Tigers. What are they going to do? We're going to talk about – the SEC Big Twelve. Um, how impressed were you? How, how impressed was David with Houston last night? We got Zach Bowie joining us today at twelve o'clock. We'll talk all things NBA All Star Game, the Grizzlies, what's going down in the NBA. Mike Conley gets a contract. Uh, we're going to break down a whole bunch, but I also want to ask him this. And this is again, this is something I, you know, with thoughts come into your head. And you're like, man, I wonder if anybody else thinks what I'm thinking. Well, it's a good thing I have a a radio station because I can ask these stupid questions for myself. But the NBA All-Star, the NFL Pro Bowl, even the MLB All-Star game, which I do still like it a lot better than the other. You know, NHL, I'm not sure about the NHL because I'm not a hockey watching fool. Every once in a while, I'll get a little bit of a um, a wild hair, and I'll start gambling on hockey because I'll find some dude who's, like, picking hockey winners. Like, last year, man, my brother found this dude. He hit, like, five hockey games in a row. I jumped all up on this giant. Then he got, he got to, like, six wins. He got to seven wins. I'm pounding it. And then he went, like, on a four-game losing streak and gave it all back to him. Oh, it goes. Like, damn, dude, why didn't I jump off while I was good? But I really – so I can't say much about the NHL All-Star game, but I don't get too upset. One way – like I'm not like, damn, man, they ruined the Pro Bowl. I can't believe they playing flag football out there and doing skill challenges. I don't care. I really don't. I know Eli Manning and Peyton Manning are part of it. Uh, you know, it, it's it's something to have fun. I feel like it's more for the kids. I mean, oh my gosh, can we not have something for the kids? Cool. Great point, John. Great point. You know, point. like if you know you're um, you know, 12 years old 
and you're a little kid and you play ball and you look up to these people like they are your heroes and you just want to be like them and emulate them and you see them in their pads and stuff and now you get to see them go do these skills challenges and they all get to talk and interact. It is just a different way of consuming these professional athletes, which I think a lot of people like my age – Uh, Those who are gamblers, those who just love one specific team, there is different types of fandom. But, man, there's nothing like that childlike innocence where you just find a player and you love them. That's a great point, John, because, you know, the two groups of people that are not complaining about the All-Star game from from Children! My 12-year-old cousin and the people that were in attendance of the All-Star game over the weekend. Oh, good point. Those are the people that aren't because you go to the All-Star game to see all the players. You don't care what the what they're doing. Exactly. You just want to see the stars. And then the children who this is marketed to is they just want to see I mean they don't care. They're not going, "Oh man, look, LeBron James isn't playing lockdown. My 12-year-old cousin isn't saying LeBron James, no lockdown even. He's going, wow, did you see that half-court shot? And I was like, holy cow, that was awesome. Yeah, I mean, so you two great points by you, John. Thank you. I've, I appreciate you actually saying that I don't get many compliments here at work. So thank you, Dave, because that felt great. You're welcome. But I didn't realize how many people were actually complaining about the All-Star game until I got oh, off work yesterday. everybody and their mother, John. It was like the one thing, and, and Brett always makes this joke, like, you can't get a third of the country to agree that today's Tuesday, but I'm pretty sure 95% of the country were was in agreement yesterday that the All-Star game was bad. I mean, I saw it everywhere. I, okay, see, and I guess, man, you know, because I'm not going to lie to you. I told you when I came in here yesterday, I watched the highlights on yeah. like Scott Van Pelt. That's, or, yeah, I don't yeah. even know if it was SVP. Sports Center or Sports Twitter, Center, you Sunday saw, night. I'm you just, were watching, you know, Monday the, uh, through the week, like the Draymond and and Chuck. So you kind of saw the I highlights saw a little in the background bit of that, while yeah. you were doing that. Yeah, like you know, so like you know, I'm just consuming my sports in a little bit different way. And plus, I was also watching tons of college basketball and gambling on it. You know, on Sunday, like uh, especially after the makeup I had to for you know some terrible mornings that I had. But my point is, is like the it. I was not offended. I didn't care. I just I did kind of mention like, damn, dude, one team scored two hundred points. Like it was a four hundred point game. Holy cow! You know, obviously there wasn't a lot of defense out there. You know, just kind of talking, killing a little time. But there were some people who were really ticked off about this. Um, in fact, I found a few articles and I listened to a few actually of some friends of mine who like could not get off how mad they are and I, and I and it was also and I feel like I actually helped this out because I did make the statement was you know back when I was young though like when you were watching Bird and Magic and hell all the way to as recently as Kobe Bryant when he was playing in it like those fourth quarters got really serious you know what I mean like these dudes wanted to win but that was just our childhood you know today it, it is a little bit different but again I am not so offended that I need to go out there and drop, you know, 5,000 words about how the NBA player doesn't care about the past, how they're not – what's going to happen to the game in the future if this is how they they treat their all-star game. I mean, no offense, dude. Like, you know a man and a woman did the three-point competition and, like, instead of – like, again – 10 years, 15 years ago, that never even would have probably would have happened. Right. But, like, I didn't hear people complain about that, and I actually figured I'd hear more. You know, well, Kenny Smith, I heard, uh, got a little bit of heat. He was was on one. He was on one this weekend or something. But, I mean, like, I just, I, I don't know, man. Like, the fact that people were completely going off about how the NBA is ruining this, um, and that it's auto, and that it's gonna hurt their brand. And I don't know, like, I, I mean, how can an all-star game realistically hurt your brand? Because, again, it's something that's geared towards children. Johnny, let me let me pitch something to you of what I think the all-star game should do that I think helps everybody. Do I agree? By the way, hold on. I do think this. I think if out of all the all-star games, baseball and the NBA have the opportunity to have the best sure. competition sure. if they really care about sure. winning. Sure, sure, sure. Because football, you can get hurt. Baseball, right. but the other thing about baseball though is pitching. I don't want it's, man. It's if so my different. stud is in, if my stud is at the All Star game, man, that manager throws him more than anything. I'm going to be ticked at that manager. Well, I think it's also so different. Like I, I don't think you can compare the NBA All Star game and the. Major League Baseball All-Star Game, because I feel like they're so different because you've got, I mean, baseball is really, most of the time, it's a one-on-one battle between pitcher and hitter, and those pitchers are going 
an inning at most. You know, sometimes they're just going two thirds of an inning. You know, they're that's not... also what scares me too because they're going out there instead of going in out there in their regular routine, right? Throwing you know, like you know, eighty five percent, right? Rarely ever going sure. back and going ninety percent. Sometimes in those all star great games, those juices get up, and then you know you're standing there with Bryce Harper, yeah. and you're like, I'm going to, but I want to get Bryce, and you go out there next thing, you know, you're you're one hundred percent max velocity, right? And so I think I don't think you can compare those. I really think, and you can't compare the NBA All Star Game with the Pro Bowl because the Pro Bowl is at the end of the season for all these guys. They're not playing any more games, and their season's done. They you know used it's to spend nice the weekend in Hawaii, to go right? Have fun. Now they're in Las Vegas and whatever, and then they you know everything's done. I think the best one one to one comparison for the NBA All Star Game is the NHL All Star Game. Very similar, both in the middle of the season, both you know kind of it's the same thing of well you know we're in this group season, we get this one week off, we have to come participate in the All-Star game. You see on both sides, there are some people that are not happy to be there. They don't want to go 100% because they don't want to risk injury. They're already worn out from the regular season. So this is what the NHL does, and I think it's what the NBA should do. And you've already kind of seen it in the All-Star, or in the Rising Stars game for the NBA. The NHL, they have four captains. One, I think, is usually from the host city, but also this year was in Toronto, and Austin Matthews was one of the captains, and he's one of the best players in, in NHL, so I don't know if that's like actually how they do it or not, but they have four captains, and those four captains draft teams. I think it's about eight players per team, and they played three-on-three uh, three hockey with a goalie, so it's four-on-four so four on the whole time. What? Five on five. It's usually five on five with a goalie, and uh, and so six guys on the ice at a, at a time is regular. But they did it just three guys on the ice. I think that's what the NBA should do. I think they should have captains. So you have like LeBron, Giannis, Jokic, do a little three on three tournament. Do a three on three tournament. Have four teams huh. start at three on three because I think when you saw the Rising Stars game, I watched a little bit of it because I wanted to see Vince Williams Jr. When it got to the end. And it was like, we've got to win this game to get to the finals. You didn't see guys like all out Duke defense slapping the ground, you know, full court press. But these guys were, you know, they, they wanted to get to that final game. They wanted to win. Um, and so I think it gives you a little bit of that. And also, I think it's like a fun way of like, this isn't super serious five on five basketball. This is just like three on three pickup, fast pace, score a lot of points, maybe play a little defense here and there. I think that's the way you should. Plus, do you it. could have it more mic'd up. You could instead mm-hmm. of playing in the full court, you could play half, half court, court and exactly. have them check it up exactly. so they can talk a little trash exactly. back and forth. Because again, we have an eighty-two game regular mm-hmm. season plus the playoffs. Like I get enough night after night after night after basketball. And again, for the All Star break in the NBA, the NBA All Star game for me is actually it's again it's a moot point because again I'm not I don't care one way or the other. And I like your idea, but I saw like fifty ideas. Like and again, one idea that I always think is um, poor and does not help the argument is paying the players more money to yeah. compete. Yeah, I saw so many people saying, "Well, if you just would say to the winning team, each player gets a million dollars, then they compete." Bro, let me tell you something. Yeah, like <laughs> that, that all kind of rubs me the wrong way in, yeah. in one aspect because I'm like, damn, so. You have to pay them extra to promote their brand, to give them an award, to say, hey, man, we want to recognize you for being one of the best in the world at your craft. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want to have to pay them to go play hard, and I just don't feel like just the financial incentive is going to be something like, dude, these guys, hey, man, tonight you're going to watch the All-Star game? Mm -hmm. You know, the winning team, they each get a million dollars. It doesn't do it for me. I I love the three-on-three idea. Yeah. Um, other, you know, there were a bunch of other ideas that I've heard, and again, I think so far, actually, believe it or not, I did not hear the three on three until you just dropped it. I think it's one of the best ones. I've Thank heard. you. Uh, I have to say, I really do like it. The more I look at it and listen to it, uh, there was one um, dude who actually put out there is, you know, with the fact that they're shooting half court shots and all these, you know. Put out, you know, put a four point shot on the All Star game again. Yeah, don't cool. gimmick the game up to. I don't know, man. Like, eh, yeah, I don't need point. them shooting more of right. them. But I'm also not this because I did. There's a quote that I did write down that I thought it was an absolute insane, and it was basically um, the NBA is staring down a barrel. <laughs> what? what do we do to make the All Star game better before it devalues the NBA as a whole? And then he goes on, wow. to, and he talks about Sunday's debacle mm. 
uh, goes on. Um, his all-star game is not bad. It's just terrible. In fact, if it was, to be fair, if it was bad, that would be saying a lot. Goes on to talk about bird magic, uh, yada, yada, the old times. Um, then he comes up with this one. He's like, he's like, dudes taking half court shots, six seconds in the shot clock, make a mockery of the game. If you ask me, <laughs> and you know, again, I'm just not that concerned about it to a point yeah. to where I'm going to be upset. Like I'll tell you what I was upset about yesterday I was watching the Tigers piss poor performance. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like if I'm going to get mad about somebody for not playing defense and not hustling, I can promise you it wasn't about that All Star game. It was about the Memphis Tigers team whose uh, season's already now basically destroyed without the tournament. I mean, uh-huh. John, I saw like, an NIT bracket I th- I that like did not have Memphis at- in the NIT bracket. Did How you about really? That? I did. Yeah. Ooh-wee, CBI, here we come. CBI, CBI. Mm-hmm. Man, it's a tough days for Tiger fans, but we are going to again. The All-Star game I just wanted to bring up, and I just wanted to say, like, for those who are too upset about it, don't be. But I think you've got to make it kind of gimmicky. Like, the, I like that. The I Pro think Bowl the three-on-three three is the best Flag football, three-on-three. Three, like, you've got to make it not serious Even because the then Super people Bowl, won't take it serious. They put it on for kids now, the slime oh, yeah. TV show. Yeah, the, on Nickelodeon, yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, like, you know, uh, you know, certain things you can, you, you can go out there and get it done. But, I'm with you. But we're going to take a quick time out because this is very, very important. We have David Cobb. We're going to talk all things college basketball. Uh, I mean, can you believe March is just around the corner? Crazy. Is today the, is today the 20th? Today is the 20th, yep. Oh, baby. March Madness is around the corner. Also, we got to talk baseball today. Mm-hmm. Oh, my. Can you believe, like, Cody Bellinger, Blake Snail, Jordan Montgomery? Like, these dudes are all still free agents who don't yep. have a house. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're going to talk about that and so much more. So do me a favor. Don't touch the dial. David Cobb's next on Sports 56, 98, 5FM. We are real sports talk. Sports 56 WHBQ. Available on your radio dial at 560 AM and 98.5 FM as well as around the world online at sports56whbq.com. Take us with you everywhere by downloading the Sports 56 app. And at home, just say, Alexa, play Sports 56. Wherever you are, stay tuned in to real sports talk. Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. The only power source capable of generating 1.21 gigawatts of electricity is a bolt of lightning. Now, back to Sports 56 Happy Hour on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again, Johnny Radio. Welcome back to a little Sports 56 Happy Hour. I'm your buddy, Johnny Radio. Man, we got a little bit of hoops tonight. You know, yesterday was Big Monday. It's super, super duper, super duper, super duper, super Tuesday. Tennessee, Missouri, they play at 6 o'clock. You can catch that on the SEC Network. You got Connecticut number one in the country. The reigning national champs on the road against Creighton. Man, it's some good games tonight. We're also going to talk about what we saw this weekend, what we got coming down the pipe. But first, I got to work. might in. be Houston High uh, Co- University. They've got three former Houston High three. players. Yeah, three. Yeah, three. They they balling, man. I have to root for them tonight. Doug, dude, it depends on uh, what David Cobb says. If he That's likes, true. if he likes Creighton plus yeah. the three and a half, hard to bet against Creighton or um, against UConn right now. Yeah, it, it's really hard to get yeah. bet against UConn. But again, that's why we get the expert. They're only a three on. point favorite. Three and a half. Hard to win on the road, John. But hard mm. to win on the road. Not for UConn. It seems that like. might be the the lowest you you might be able to get UConn like all year. All that's season, crazy. all season long. But it's time to bring in the best. He is David Cobb, CBSSports.com covers college football, college basketball. He covers it all what's up big dog what's up man hey you, you know i appreciate like you thinking that i'm an expert and that i only give out winners You're but actually i don't know i'm pretty sure last week i gave you two losers i'm pretty sure i did no no you did but hey that those were some very tough games we'll bounce back it's all right hey i'm gonna take 75 percent all day every day oh, yeah okay? david you had old miss last week i forgot about mm-hmm. that and that was hey and that wasn't you that didn't show up that was old miss that's right that's right that that's right i was on the right side old miss just let me down 
That's exactly what I. That's exactly. <laughs> that's exactly it. Um, got to bring up before I jump into anything. Um, just kind of first and foremost, covering the entire landscape of college basketball. I was thinking about this. There are some things that are embarrassing, like the fight last, uh, like last night with Incarnate Word and that was somebody awesome. else. I was that watching was a hell that of game. A brawl, that was bro. a great game too. It was awesome, dude. Those are two teams that were what dead last in the. Like um, their conference. Yeah, not very good. We had Incarnate Word, Moneyline. Didn't work out for us, but the brawl was worth it. Yeah, and then next thing you know, you have a huge brawl. Like those, that that's kind of embarrassing. Um, you look at, you know, the situation going in Ark and over in Arkansas. You know, like if you're an Arkansas fan, that's probably a pain in your ass. Um, but for right now, if I said the most embarrassing program in college basketball, would that not have to be the Memphis Tigers? Wow. I, I was... Like, as you were asking me that, I was kind of debating, am I going to go there? Am I going to go there? You know, because I think internally in the city, yeah, Memphis, it feels embarrassing what's happened to them this year. At least it's not to the level of, you know, all-out brawls or some of the rumor mill stuff that's been going around on Arkansas that, that I'm not even going to get into, right? But I guess externally, from a national perspective on Memphis, like, yeah, they had their moment in the sun where they rose into the top ten. But honestly, I think the national perception is that this is what Memphis has been for the entirety of Penny Hardaway's tenure. I mean, they've been a 20-win fringe NCAA tournament team, uh, a team that has really made no noise in March whatsoever. And that's just kind of what they are again. I think it's just more maddening to the people locally because of what they could have been this year and what it looked like they were going to be. And you know, it was almost to the point where maybe the rest of the country was really going to start paying attention to Memphis. And then they lost those four games in a row and, and have never gotten back on track. So, I don't know. I don't know that I'd say Memphis is the most embarrassing team in the country. It's just, uh, they're, they're certainly frustrating, though. It's just it's just mind-boggling what's happened to them. Yeah, it is mind-boggling. And maybe yeah, they're not the most embarrassing. I guess from maybe uh, from, from me, you know, Tiger grad, my parents went to Memphis, from Memphis, 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 Maine. And I saw that 10, and I got to where I was believing. I was drinking the Kool-Aid. It kind of reminded me of when I was a kid in 1985. Do you ever – you weren't around. Never mind. There was a movie <laughs> called Weird Science. And there was this woman in the in the movie called Kelly LeBrock. Best-looking woman on planet Earth. Every single young fellow like me was in love with her. This is in 1985. By the time it was like 1993, like some eight years later, just a few years later, she had let herself go so bad that you didn't even recognize her. And you're like, what the hell? Like, you're my- describing Louisville. You're describing Louisville right now. <laughs> oh, that's, you know what? That's a really good point. I forgot <laughs> even completely about Louisville. Oh, gosh. Yeah. yeah. See, it could be worse. It could be worse than where, where Memphis is at. I mean, Louisville's in the in the in the tank. I mean, DePaul is just so bad. Like there there are some power. Comp- Michigan has it worse right now than Memphis. And you know what? Dude, it's DePaul not always- was in the Final Four like in '79. DePaul has fallen far, haven't they? And, and then let's talk about Michigan too, because it's the same situation. Honestly, you can make the parallel for Louisville, Michigan, and Memphis. They've all gone the route of hiring the revered former player who has a, you know, Juwan Howard had a long NBA playing career, Penny Hardaway, long NBA playing career, Kenny Payne was an NBA assistant, longtime college assistant, well-known and loved in Louisville. Well, like, Louisville and Michigan have it worse right now than Memphis does because they're in the same situation as Memphis. It's just the results are even worse. I mean, at least Memphis is going to come out of this year having won 20 games. But Michigan? They're just sitting here at 8-18, eight and 18. And, and I'm sure, pretty sure Louisville's record is about the same. So it could be worse because those, those programs and their athletic directors, have, they're, they're one step closer to making the tough decision that Laird Beach is probably a year away from having to contemplate. Um, I wasn't planning to go here, but, you know, when you started talking about the countries and we got into this whole embarrassment situation and, uh, you know, some people want to see Penny be fiery, more fiery, uh, stick a foot up their keister. But, like, that's just not his personality. Uh, But, you know, yesterday I forgot about this. Uh, Did you see the St. John's game this weekend, Uh, Seton Hall St. John's? I didn't see most of the game, but I sure saw the comments from Rick Pitino afterwards. Oh, I was – I had um, Seton Hall. So – I thought the game was over. You know what I mean? Like I, I lost that bad boy. They came back mm-hmm. and won that bad boy. Uh, a miracle. It was. It was amazing. Um, I appreciated it more than you can imagine. If I had St. John's, I would. 
I would have been very ticked off just as Coach Patino was ticked off. I mean, they were up by 19 in the first half, and they only scored 21 points in the second quarter. They were just terrible. He goes out there and rips them, calls them non-athletic, yada, yada, yada. If you are, you know, like, do you find that style? Like, a lot of people were just, like, like thought Rick Patino is the worst human being in the world. I'm kind of wondering, is it just the times have changed and you can't do that anymore? Or do you have, is there just, you don't have any problem with it? I mean, I'm sure Rick Patino used to do that stuff all the time before the social media era, and it never got circulated uh, nationally it like it does now. in a matter of minutes when you do something like that now. And because of who he is uh, and the market that he coaches in, yeah, it's going to be picked up pretty quickly and, and people are going to make a big deal out of it. But it's just, it, you don't see major college basketball coaches call out their players by name to the media and specifically talk about their weaknesses and their shortcomings. I mean, you just don't see that. Dude, and that Dingle and Ledlam dude literally looked like they couldn't walk and chew gum in the second half, which made no absolute, I mean, made no sense to me. Yeah, but like, wh- what? What benefit do you do you gain from talking about that publicly? I mean, it makes uh, me feel better when I talk trash about somebody. Right. Well, Bryant had a good point because we were talking about this yesterday, and he was like, "Well, in this era, you you badmouth a player, you talk about a player, whatever. It used to be lose it used to be. Well, yeah, you lose them now, and it used and to used be to that motivate them. Right, and because if you were going to go somewhere else in the old days, you were going to have to sit out a year, whatever." Transferring was a lot more cumbersome. It was way more uncommon. And now it's like, all right, well, Rick, you you, you made me mad. I'm going to go leave and go somewhere else, right? Like, that's all there is to it. So, you know, this is a coach that is sort of having to learn a new era of college basketball at age 70. I mean, I realized he was at Iona, so, like, he understands uh, the, how the rules have changed because he's been in college basketball. But uh, it's, it's on a different stage now at St. John's. Will it work? I don't know. I still have – I still uh, – I still think Rick Pitino will will be successful, but I don't think he helped himself. I just don't think he cares about being successful with this group of guys. But these are his players, and he ran off good players to go and get these guys. Now he's complaining about them. I mean, it's ridiculous because you know it used to be you inherited the old the former coach's players, and they didn't fit your system. And it was excused that you were going to be bad for a year or two until you got your players in. Well, Rick Pitino got his players in with a snap of a finger in a couple of months in a way that you couldn't 10 years ago. And so for him to then go out and badmouth them, it just looks dumb. I just love the fact that he said our lateral quickness and our toughness is just something I've never witnessed in all my coaching years. We're so non-athletic that we can't guard anybody without fouling. <laughs> I just like he went he went so far in. I was like, I don't know why. I loved it, and I guess because he's not talking about me. <laughs> well, I mean, I, it, it is great. Like it's fantastic content, but like I just don't know if it's effective. Maybe it will be. Like, hey, uh, don't put it past uh, Rick Pitino to get St. John's on a run in the Big East tournament. I'm not predicting that necessarily, but but may, who knows? I mean, maybe, maybe it, it turns out to be the fire they needed and they go out and uh, and turn it around. It's just, I, I'm skeptical. Yeah, I'm a little skeptical. All right, now i got to get into a little bit of tonight before we start just kind of talking around the college basketball realm. Uh, finally, UConn, first uh, unanimous number one in the top 25 this season. They are um, bad to the bone. Wildly, though, right when they get that number one and they're unanimous – they're only like a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road against Creighton tonight, man. Who are we liking, David? Man, I find it very difficult to uh, bet against UConn at the moment. This is the most dominant team in college basketball. And the fact that they're only a three-point favorite, it tells you the Shoot, sort you of know respect. it opened at two-and-a-half, and I'm mad at myself for not you know paying attention because I saw, because I'm like, dude, it opened at two-and-a-half? Like, that's, that's wild. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, so, I mean, Creighton's a good team. But they, they played UConn earlier this season. It was it was an ugly loss. So, so think about this. All right, the first time they played, uh, UConn won by 14 points. <laughs> and now they're, they're going to play this game in Omaha, and uh, UConn's only a, a three-point favorite. So they, there's an 11-point difference in home court advantage there. So, I mean, that's all that this is, is like where the, where the game is being played is having a huge factor in, in, in this line. But... Even still, you're talking about a UConn team with the nation's longest winning streak. 
that hasn't lost a game in two months. So I, I think I just have to go with the Huskies. I mean, I think I do too. Again, like you said, they've won 14 straight. It's not only that, though. I mean, like what they did to Marquette was just like, whoa. Like they, they took care of, they took, like I like, I love Tyler Kolick. I love Shaka Smart. I like that team. Man, they got worked. They did. Yeah. Our, our guy, uh, Cam Jones, uh, from, from ECS, he actually had a, a decent game, all things considered. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was ugly. It was ugly for Marquette. That's a good Marquette team, too. So you're, you're basically what you're seeing is UConn. Right now, they are at the form that they had when they won the national championship last year. You remember they won every game in the NCAA tournament yep. by double digits, mm-hmm. and that that's the kind of level that UConn is playing at right now in, in in February. And so, do they peak too early? That's my only concern with UConn. Uh, you know what, man? That's that is always something to be a little bit worried about. But the way they look, they just look like that well-oiled machine. Now, outside of UConn, there was pretty much everybody else. Um, but then you have like you know Houston last night looked extremely. Shed was awesome. The defense was suffocating both teams. By the way, Iowa State plays great defense. I mean, watching that game last night, I was like, wait a second. None of these, every single shot's contested. How do they do that? You know, after watching Tigers play defense because they don't contest anything, um, got to give them mad credit. Watching Purdue, uh, you know, Zach Eady's a bad man, Majama. Um, I think that little kid, their little guard, was it Braden Smith? Like, mm-hmm. I'm also falling in love with this little kid. Like, he's tough. I feel like this is a better Purdue team. Um, they look like they're legit. Arizona can score with anybody, not great at defense. You got to love Tennessee. Like, right now, who who behind UConn, and you can throw out anybody. I mean, there's Alabama who's playing great basketball. Like, who are some of the the teams that can actually go out there and make that run? Yeah, there, there's a pretty good group of teams, and I still think Iowa State is among them. Uh, I, nothing that happened last night detracted at all from what Iowa State is and can be. There's no shame in going on the road and losing a close game against Houston. And in fact, I watched that game and came away feeling as as good about Iowa State or better than I did going into the game because of how they competed against that team in that building. So Iowa State's there. I mean, you want to go that list after UConn, uh, teams that could get hot and get on a run and make the NCAA tournament. I think there's there's as many as fifteen. Fifteen. Uh, you go all yeah. You go all the way down to like all right. Right now, Jerry Palm at CBS. He's got. Illinois projected as a four seed in the NCAA tournament. Damn. I mean that 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 Illinois team is good enough to win the national championship. That, and you know I think you could go all the way down to uh, to the five line, and I, and they, he's got Auburn on the five line. And like I know Auburn's had a couple of clunkers recently, that Kentucky game, the Florida loss. But when Auburn is on, they are good enough to win it all. So. Yeah, I'd go as many as 15 after UConn. It's just Hell, even honestly, Kentucky, I, you talk about, like, Antonio Rivas, when he gets going and Cal gets his guys going in the right direction, I mean, they are as, just as talented as anybody in the country. Right, and then you, yeah, all right, let's keep it going. Then you go all the way down to the projected seven line, FAU. They were in the final four last year. Damn. And they've got almost everybody back from that team. And I know they've slipped up a couple of times in the AAC. But they've got everybody back from a Final Four team, and they're going to be in the NCAA tournament. So, you know, I would be tempted to take UConn over the field, uh, but there are some really good candidates in the field, and uh, anything can happen in March. And that that list of teams that you could see in the Final Four is is really strong, which reflects kind of where we're at. Because if you go and look at last year's Final Four, I mean, you randomly had San Diego State State there. FAU, Miami. By the way, San Diego State is still that team. What is his name? Ladee or whatever, the kid down low that looks like Yeah, Jaden Ladee. My goodness, yeah. that dude could play defensive end in the National Football League right now, I really believe. No doubt. I'm actually a, a believer in the Mountain West this season. I'm, I'm typically pretty skeptical of the Mountain West uh, because we always hype them up and then they fall flat in the tournament. But I actually think they're it's a really good league this year. It's like it's one of those leagues where, all right, you don't maybe have that like national title contender, but – Maybe San Diego State could, could fit that bill, and then there's about four or five other teams in that league that are that are going to be real dangerous too. Are we supposed to be like okay out of some of the smaller schools? Because you know, again, right now March is around the corner, and like a lot of people are like, "Dude, it's the 20th of February, man!" And like, we, there's usually like 28 days in this month, but we got what like that 29th thing that's going on, you know, leap year action. 
I was trying to do dry February, and then I realized there's an extra day, and I was like, man, screw it. I'm not even going to try it. Um, not fair. Not fair. Um, but when you look at like the smaller schools, like is St. Mary's really that good? What about Dayton? Um, tell us like some of those small schools do you think that are like really scary? I know you like the, you know, San Diego State and stuff, but like what about, what about St. Mary's? For some reason, I just can't believe in them. Well, they, they were awful to start the season, but they've really turned it around. I believe in them because of Randy Bennett, who is their coach. And, you know, I know this isn't a team that we've seen make a deep NCAA tournament run, uh, but they, they've been playing as well as anybody. In fact, I think they're right there with UConn for the, for the nation's longest winning streak. It just depends on which day of the week they play their games because they're, I mean, they're right there with UConn. So I, I do believe in St. Mary's. I mean, that's a program that Randy Bennett has built over the test of time. He's got them in a better place than Gonzaga right now. Uh, so I think, I think you could see St. Mary's make the Sweet 16. And then Dayton, uh, I think you should believe in too. They've got an NBA prospect on their team, a potential All-American in Deron Holt, who is sort of your, your modern-day four-man um, who can stretch the floor or take you down low. Uh, he's got a really nice game, good defender too. So, um, name to watch for the NBA draft and a name to watch in March because uh, Dayton's going to be making the NCAA tournament. And they are still trying to give vindication for the year when uh, COVID called off the tournament because that was the team with Obi Toppin. That was going to uh, be a number one seed and potentially have have everything he needed to make is a run. Is Obi Toppin's brother, does he play for New Mexico? Uh, there is a third Toppin out there. I can't confirm if he's related to to uh, Obi and Jacob, but but uh, Jacob Toppin was Obi's brother who ended up playing at Kentucky. I don't know about the kid at, at uh, New Mexico, though. He's just another big Toppin, and he was. I was watching when they played San Diego State, and I'm like, man, is that Obi Toppin's brother, man? You know, <laughs> not related. Not related. Thank you, Dacus. Hey, I just had to throw it out there because I have a question, and somebody else might have the same question. You never know. Also, need to know something, man. How good is South Florida? Pretty, pretty impressive. Uh, what talk about winning? What did they want? Eleven, twelve in a row. Sure. Yeah, no, no doubt. Um, gosh, I think their only loss in the AAC was, I can't even remember, but I think they've only lost once in the league. Yeah, Amir Abdurrahim has does, just done a, an amazing job there. Uh, and it's funny because you go back and look, like, similar situation to St. Mary's, where if you were paying attention to them in November or December, you completely wrote them off. They were probably, like, sub-200 in the net. And now they just they can't stop winning. So uh, I don't know that South Florida is going to have enough um, to, to make the NCAA tournament as an at-large team, but... They could very well uh, win the AAC tournament, or maybe uh, if they get to the AAC tournament title game, uh, maybe they do get to, to the big dance as Matt large. So, I mean, I don't even know where to begin with them. It, it sort of uh, it defied explanation how South Florida has turned it around so quick. But Amir Abdurrahim, um, he's going to be, I think, of interest to other programs like right now. Yeah, you um, think? Like yeah, I was just well, watching well, him last, uh, last, I think it was Saturday or Sunday when the, I can't remember exactly when the game was, but like before the game, he's outside of the stadium going down and sh- like you know high five and everybody there in the stadium. Like you can get on with like like you, I can back stuff like that. I like somebody who like cares about the kids who who loves to go out there and interact with the people. He's energetic. He's fun. And again, South Florida's playing out their mind. Yeah, yeah. So absolutely. I mean, we'll see what jobs come open this cycle, but. I mean, he'll be he'll be up there with with a lot of you know. Dusty May is going to get a lot of interest. He's still. In I'd rather cycle. go with my man Amir because, dude, Dusty's still. I think just a little weird for me. He is, yeah. And now you've got multiple jobs worth of uh, of evidence on Abdul Rahim with what he did at Kennesaw State as well. So, um, yeah, that's a name to watch for in this coaching cycle. And the crazy thing is, they were two and four to start the season. They've gone seventeen and one since. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. It just goes to show, man. Anywhere in college basketball right now, you can turn things around in an instant because you, you have access to the same transfer portal that everybody else in the country has access to, and uh, you don't need three or four years to, to get it turned around. I know some circumstances are different, and and, and of course, over the long haul, to sustain a program. You're going to need that support, and you're going to need the NIL dollars to help keep your good players from transferring out. But my point is, what Amir Abdurrahim has shown at South Florida and what many other coaches around the country have shown is that you can you can flip that switch overnight and get a college basketball program uh, turned around in a way that you couldn't before, in a way that you still probably can't 
in college football. And uh, it, it makes it fun. It makes it interesting. And it shows you who the good coaches really are. Who's better in the SEC, Revis or Connect? Who, who do you trust more? Yeah, Dalton Connect, he's just a little bit more dynamic in what he can do. I mean, Antonio Reeves, more of a, of a three-point specialist, I would say. He can get in to, to the lane and do the float game a little bit. But Dalton Connect, I mean, he, he can hit you with the floater or he can take it all the way to the basket. Dalton Connect will dunk on you. Uh, Antonio Reeves is not quite that physical yeah, of a player. Yeah, uh, yeah, good point. Yeah. But he is so, no, man. SEC player of the year right now is, is Dalton Connect's award to lose. So there's some other good candidates out there, though. There's a no shortage of star caliber players in the league. Last but not least, like who who are the who are the top two guards? And I'm talking about point guards in the country. Like who who do you find to be the the, the best ones? Period. Yeah, I mean, I think you got to look at Isaiah Stevens, uh, Colorado State, kind of one of those guys mm-hmm. that might get overlooked sometimes, but uh, one of these players who's going to go down with almost every record in school history. He's the type of guy who could lead Colorado State to a big time NCAA tournament uh, victory, you know, here in a just a few weeks, really. So uh, he's he's one to know for sure. Uh, Isaiah Stevens flies under the radar probably a little bit, and then uh, what about Mark Sears, man, at, at Alabama? Like, yeah, man he's has, finally getting a little bit of love though now. He had Jaden Bradley transferred out, Javon Quinterly transferred out. I think there was a lot of skepticism over whether Mark Sears was going to be. Uh, that dude, right? Whether he could be that dude for for Alabama, that was my question about Alabama going into this year. Was whether or not they had the horses in the uh, in the backcourt. But Mark Sears has been really awesome for them. So him, Jared McCain at Duke, a freshman's been coming on real strong. Um, those are those are a few names that come to mind. Yeah, Sears is a scoring little point guard too. By the way, man, man can put the damn ball in the hole. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. So. Yeah, there's really good guard He's play. He's so little. That's another thing, though, dude, man. Like, some of these little guards trip me out how, how ridiculous they are. I mean, when I watch uh, my man in North Carolina just kind of getting it done, like, damn, man. R.J. Davis, I mean, he's he's been as good as anybody in the country this year for sure. So, yeah, man, uh, it's all about it's all about guard play, as the cliches say this year uh, or this time of year, right? So, uh, yeah, it's good, good to have good guard play. And uh, the teams that, that are going to be there at the end uh, will certainly have. How many, last but not least, I uh, got a text here. It says, how many uh, SEC teams get in the dance? My, my number right now is eight. Uh, I think I think Palm has it at nine at the moment, but you've kind of got three teams that are on the bubble. Uh, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and Texas A&M, all three sort of on the bubble. I, I think two You're of feeling those pretty good about Florida then, huh? Florida's played their way in. I mean, they're, they're I comfortably on the right side at the moment with victories over – Kentucky and Florida in recent weeks. So I, yeah, the Gators, man, don't sleep on them. Um, I would say I got two sleeper teams out of the SEC. If A and M finds their way into the tournament, I think they could be dangerous. And then Florida, they're they're a team that hasn't been ranked really at all this year. They didn't do anything in the non-con, but they are really turning it on now in year two under Todd Golden, and they got some good good players on that team. So I, I feel like Florida could be a real sneaky sleeper Sweet Sixteen team come Selection Sunday. Man, David, I'm telling you, you are my college basketball dude. Like, I'm always reading your work at CBSSports.com. I look forward to Tuesdays because I love picking your brain. And again, tonight we're going with UConn because, damn it, how can you just bet against UConn? (laughs) But what you got coming down the pipe over at CBSSports.com? Interesting story. Looking at the programs that have lost the most to the transfer portal. How about this? Like, if you put the players that Texas Tech has lost on the floor together – it would be a, a, a roster headlined by Terrence Shannon at Illinois and Kevin McCullough at Kansas and about 10 other really good players. And Anyway, so I, I got that dropped in like, like an that. hour. Yeah, yeah. It should, be, it should be interesting. Man, make sure you check that out. David, thank you so much for your time. Be blessed. We'll do it again next week, my brother. All right, man. I appreciate it. That is David Cobb. Follow him at David W. Cobb on Twitter. We're late for a break. Back in two shakes. Sports 56, 98.5 FM. Join the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin. For Wolo and Friends, weekday mornings from 10 to 11, here on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. All the wisdom of the universe is in these bones. <laughs> now back to Sports 56 Happy Hour on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again, Johnny Radio.
Welcome back to a little Sports 56 Happy Hour. I'm your buddy, Johnny Radio. Brian Dagas is hanging with me, man. What's up, Dagas? What's up, Johnny? Man, we got got a lot going on. We just talked with David Cobb. We talked a lot about some college basketball, one, because he covers it, and plus it's almost March, baby. We're getting ready. We're we're getting to them dog days of college ball. You better get ready. You got to figure out as much as you can. Because you got to fill out your bracket. And tonight, Tennessee's playing Missouri. I'm looking at that bad boy. Tennessee, 12.5 point favorite over Mizzou right now? About that. Tennessee's been awesome. The thing that's crazy, do you remember uh, when Memphis beat Missouri? And we all thought it was like going to be one of the marquee wins of the year. Second yeah. half they had against that Missouri team. Their defense was stifling. Yeah. Missouri hasn't won a game in the SEC this year. Do uh-huh. you know that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Almost beat Ole Miss, though, the other night. Yeah, Ole Miss, to, Ole Miss loves the giving their fans heart attacks. Sure do. I mean, hey, if they're gonna, if the fans are gonna come out and pack the pack the place, might as well give them a good game, right? Might as well, might as well. BYU plays Baylor tonight, which is always still weird for me. I, like BYU in the Big Twelve, I'm still not used to. And BYU's like a two and a half, three point, three and a half point favorite. Um, Baylor, though, that zone defense. If BYU's not hitting shots, they can throw that zone on you. That is just stifling. You, I told you what they did to Oklahoma mm-hmm. with it. Difference is, though, BYU seems like they actually run some stuff. Yeah. Uh, I kind of actually, I, I know it sounds crazy. I got a lean already. I'm going to watch it, of course, and look for my markers. But, man, we're going to talk about in the very last segment today what our picks are, what our plays are. Uh, just kind of make sure you find them out. And uh, we'll, Might be an over game. We'll get it taken care of. Just glancing at it. Uh, 154, I think, is the total. Was it? What was it? 150, yeah, 154. 154. Oh, that's kind of steep. A little bit steep. But these two are the best offenses in the country, according to Kim Palm. And by the way, for all my favorite degenerates out there, or I call it the, let's say you don't do good in the 6 o'clock window, you do terrible in the 8 o'clock window. Well, at 10 o'clock on the old deuce, St. Uh, St. Mary's, it's got San Francisco coming to town. They should roll. San Francisco is actually pretty damn good, bro. Twenty-one six. Um, yeah, ten and two in the West uh, Coast Conference. St. Mary's is catching seven and a half points. I mean, uh, San Francisco is catching seven and a half points against St. Mary's. Yeah. I'll be checking that game out uh, for all my favorite degenerates. Now we're going to switch gears up. We'll talk a little bit about the Tigers. We'll talk a lot about the Grizzlies. We'll break down what's going on in the NBA because we got Zach Boyd on the other side. But I do need to remind you of something very important. You want to look good? Yes, you do. Where do you go? Frontier Western Store, 5880 Goodman Road. It's down in Olive Branch. It's very simple to get to. Big, bang, boom, you're there. They got the largest boot showroom. If you need something for your feet, they got you. From like the steel-toed boots to the square-toed boots to the pointy boots, the Western boots, the work boots, dress boots, galoshes, hey, dude shoes. They got it all at Frontier Western Store. They got them for your children. They got them for your girls. They got them for you. They can dress your whole family from head to toe. Just make sure you get down to 5080 Goodman Road down in Olive Branch. Family owned and operated since 1967. By the way, not only can you head down to Frontier Western Store in Olive Branch, you can go online to FrontierWesternStore.com. It's easy to navigate. You can shop by men's. You can shop by brands, women's, children's. You can shop by sales item. And once you place your order, they ship your order out within 24 hours, so it arrives extremely quickly. Plus, any order of $75 or more is shipped absolutely free. Frontier Western Store, FrontierWesternStore.com. On the other side, we're talking hoops with Zach Boyd on Sports 5698.5 FM. 